Open 
guys a uh, clap offering because they're we honor those appreciate Haley throwing that in I heard this song by Michael W. Smith and uh, it was more of a Celtic you know the sound but um, you know we need the, the ancient words you know there's a scripture that talks about return to the ancient path and walk in it and uh, Jeremiah, was it Jeremiah calling the people back to the ways of God, but they wouldn't have anything to do with it. And um, if they would have, they would have found rest for their souls. That's what that scripture says. And I don't know, I've just been thinking, I've been playing that song. I like the Celtic version too. You know, and uh, well, I want to just share some things. Um, first of all, the, the presidential prayer watch that God has commissioned us with we have two additional strategies you know one of them we started this we called it the 90 men 90 90 mighty men and we've been having conference calls on Tuesday night and we have about two-thirds so we dropped the 90 because I believe God's going to go way beyond but we have people from a man from Hong Kong a man from uh, New Zealand England and Canada and seem like there's another place one man heard about this, and he's on the call, and nobody suggested, but he went among his community, and he set up, he lined up people, they're praying around the clock, on their own. So this thing is beginning to just, God is up to something mighty. And then uh, Linda Neal has started a night watch as a part of the presidential prayer watch. The first one is this Friday night, and uh, she's already got n numbers of, hmm? Saturday, whenever, Saturday morning at midnight, whenever it is, I don't know, we'll figure it out, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of people, and, and she said that someone from Hong Kong uh, asked to be a part, and uh, so we are so thankful for the nations praying for America, and if we've ever needed prayer in America, we need it now, because of the things that are going on, I, I um, before I jump into the message, can I just, can I just address something really quick? And we want to pray, I believe, in repentance. But it's in regard to what New York did this week. And, you know, the church cannot remain silent. You can't just sit back and play church. Okay, let's go to, you know, Sunday school class. No, you got to stand up. You have to be watchmen. And I saw that as, you know, the, up to the last moment before the baby is born, you can now abort in New York. I, I saw that as almost people lifting their hand in the face of God, you know, the governor and others, and just saying, we will decide who rules here, you know. And it's really an affront to the, to the sovereignty of God. And God's going to address it eventually. He's going to address these things and I, so anyway, the Lord, wouldn't you know, He led me to Zephaniah this morning. And uh, it's talking about the nations and they're in rebellion. And God has had enough. How many of you know there's a day when God will have enough? You know, if you ever, you know, you warned your children, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You should have dealt with it the first time you said, don't do that. But you were patient. 
And eventually you, you ran out and you had... But anyway, I was reading Zephaniah chapter 2, and it says, I've heard of the reproach of Moab and the insults of the people of Ammon with which they have reproached my people and made arrogant threats against their borders. Although that was interesting, God, that you would show me that. They made arrogant, arrogant threats against the borders of the people of God. And then on later on it says, And this they, sh they shall have for their pride, because they've reproached and made arrogant threats against the people of the Lord of hosts. So they made threats against the borders and threats against the people of God. And here's what God said. How many of you know our God is going to be an awesome God? He's not going to be. He is an awesome God. And look what this says. The Lord will be awesome to them. And He will, re he will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. When I saw that word reduced to nothing, I thought how we used to say, you know, you're playing with your buddies. Man, I'm going to crush you to smithereens. You ever said that? But then I looked it up. You know what smithereens means? Little pieces. That's not what God's going to do. According to Zephaniah, now maybe the modern day prophets today in America, they don't agree with this, but Zephaniah agreed with it. And Acts says, the Lord's going to retain the Son of Man until everything happens, every, the restoration of all things spoken by all the mouth of the holy prophets since the world began. How many of you know Zephaniah is one of the holy prophets? And so the Lord will be awesome and he will reduce to nothing the gods of the world. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day. I would get out of that party if you're still in that party. I'm telling you, and I'm going to speak prophetically, the judgment of God. It's coming upon a party that will stick their face or their, their fist in the face of God and uh, think that they're going to get away with it. And they may for a while. You know that, don't you? You get away with some things. But I wish I could speak to the governor of New York, but I, I don't have that kind of an audience. But God will speak to him. And so we need to repent, first of all, for just putting up with this. Because we've become so, you know, just salah, whatever, you know, evil is evil. It's evil. It's murder. And what it is, actually, it is a sacrifice to their God, the God of Baal. They used to throw their children in the fire in the Old Testament. Today, they abort them. Could you imagine aborting a child just moments before the birth? I just became a grandpa. I just became a grandpa. And I'm telling you. The baby was not cooperating. And Emily was, she was trying her best. It lasted for a long, long time. It wasn't working. So they had to go. I don't understand. How come it didn't work? I don't understand. But anyway, they went in and cut it and finally, you know, took the little baby out. But could you imagine aborting that child? That child was living. Living. It's murder. And I just want to tell the people that behind this, that God one day will run out of his patience. He's not going to strive with men forever. And the gods of this world, your gods because that you're sacrificing these children to, one day God is not only just break them up in pieces, they shall become as nothing. As nothing. So anyway, I feel like we need to repent on behalf of our nation. Because a lot of people just took that news and said, well, what's, what's new? Lord, we ask you first of all for mercy. For our nation, forgive us, God, that the people of, not the people, has nothing to do with many of the people in New York. 
It's the leadership, the governor, and a party that has forsaken God. And they sacrifice their children to the gods of this age. And so, God, we ask for your mercy. Forgive us as a nation that we put up with such horrendous blasphemy and arrogancy. Lord, just like your word said, they're arrogant against our borders. They're arrogant against our God. They're arrogant. They're arrogant. And God, we ask you to rise up, oh God, in this hour and show yourself strong. But we repent for the foolishness and for forsaking you as a nation and killing the most innocent among us. God, we ask for forgiveness. We repent. We cry out to heaven for the mercy of God. And Lord, we ask you to quickly bring it to an end. We ask you, God, let the day come quickly that the God behind that is being sacrificed to in this abortion, God, that that God would be torn down and, and driven out of the land once and for all, we pray. We cry out for this, God, for these children. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we just had to do that. Is that okay? You know, we need to, be a, we need to have a little righteous anger. I think the Americanized, sissified gospel that says God doesn't do this kind of stuff anymore is about to be shaken to its core. And God doesn't change. People have changed. I am the Lord and I change not. And I tell you, you should read Zephaniah, Zechariah, Jeremiah. You should read all the old prophets. Because everything that's been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets is going to be thus fulfilled before the Lord comes back. So anyway, all right, I got to get my heart right. It is right. I just believe we should be a little angry at this stuff. We put up with stuff in America. And we call sin good, good evil and evil good. Well, today I'm going to go after something. Because you know we talk about this in Zephaniah, but you know where judgment really begins. It begins in the house of the Lord. So I say all of that, and I know God is merciful, and it's His will that none would perish. I understand. But the judgment begins at the house of God. And I want to talk about some dreams that have been spoken recently. And, and uh, you know, we need to know what the Bible says and how to handle these things, especially in this hour when things are wrapping up. But if I'm going to talk about dreams, I've got to tell you about a dream I had this week. So anyway, you can judge it. But in the dream, I was getting ready to attend a week-long series of meetings with Rodney Howard Brown on the book of Acts. So, I, you know, if you're going to dream on the book of Acts, you should at least start off reading the book of Acts. So let's go to the book of Acts. Chapter 2, you guys with me? We're going to just let her rip today, and if you um, get mad, it's okay, just... Don't throw anything. You can if you want to. You know, when Jesus preached, people either loved him or they hated him. You know, we should comfort the afflicted, but we ought to be afflicting the comfortable. There are too many comfortable in the American scene. And we should, we should uh, just read much of the Bible. That's why a lot of people don't read a lot of the Bible. Because they want to stay out of the controversy. 
You know, they know God is a God of love. They don't know him as an awesome God that's going to rise up as judge, judge of the whole earth. They don't know him as holiness. That's right. They believe he just winks at sin. He's not winking. There's going to be a day of reckoning. And America is either we will have, and we're believing for this, we're going to go out believing. We're believing for a great awakening. Or there'll be a great reckoning, one or the other. And, uh, but I'd rather have a great awakening. Maybe the great awakening will happen in the midst of the great reckoning. According to Isaiah, that's probably the way it's going to happen. You know, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over a group of people that are hungry and getting in position. You know, the best position to get in is your heart. Your heart yielded. You just lay your heart on the altar. That's the best. It's the only thing that's going to work. It's our heart. It's always about the heart. But anyway, Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Fully come means no more delay. That's been spoken often from this pulpit, but in many places right now. It's a word for 2019, no more delay. If I have anything to do with it, I'm in agreement. Okay, God, no more delay. You know, let the day of this awakening, let it break, fully come. And it says they were all with one accord and in one place. Now, most of my life, reading the word one accord made me feel almost hopeless. It's almost like it was unattainable. But it doesn't mean unity. I mean, if you know that, the word accord doesn't mean you've got to be in perfect unity. If that's the case, it's never going to happen. This Pentecost would not have happened. Don't you think people had different opinions? So they were all with one accord. The word one accord means they were together in the same place and the same time. How many of you are in this place this morning at 11.25 on the 20-whatever-it-is of January? 27th. All right, we're all right. We're here, God, one place, one time, we're together. We're spread apart in some ways, but we're all together. And so one accord in one place... And suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly. The word suddenly means unaware or unexpectedly. Now, that's another thing that religious teaching got us into. They said, well, you have to have an expectancy. And we should. We should have an expectancy. I don't know. The suddenly comes even when you're not expecting. You can't expect what God's about to do because you've never inspected it before in your life. How are you going to really be prepared? So that's what he says. I'm just telling you what the original Greek is. Suddenly, unaware, unexpectedly from heaven. It's got to come from heaven. It ain't coming from earth. If earth, if earth could have produced this, we would have already settled it. You know, if the greatest preacher in the land could have already made it happen, he already would have. It ain't happening. It's coming from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them, say each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled. In other words, no one was left out. You know, there's some folks think, I'm left out. I'm not good enough. Well, I, I can agree with you, you're not good enough. I don't know any good. Guess what? There's none good, no, not one. 
All of our righteousness is as filthy rags, so that means if we are yielded to him and surrender and we come his way by the way of the cross, then we're worthy. Now, verses 5 through verse 13, it speaks about what happened. They all heard in their own language the gospel as the message, and they were all amazed. In verse 12 and verse 13, there were two groups of people. Some were amazed and others mocked. It's going to happen today. There'll be those that'll be overwhelmed by what God is doing. There'll be others who'll continue to mock. In fact, they're mocking today. It's just a warm-up for the mocking to come. You had not seen anything yet of the mocking and the blasphemy. The more light, the darkness is going to get the most upset about it. So there'll be mockers, but they'll be also in amazed. That's what God's getting us ready. We're going to be amazed. I mean, say, I'm amazed. We're already amazed, but get, get, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think you're amazed. You hadn't seen God. We Listen, the American church has only seen this much of God. God's about to arise and He's going to show Himself that He's greater than anybody's ever explained Him to be. Because He does abundantly, exceedingly, above all, that you could ask or even ever begin to think. Well, I've got to get to the message sooner or later. Because I've got to go after something. But then in verse 14, then Peter, he stood, you know, and he began to preach. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days. Now, if this was referring to the last days of which Joel spoke of, right? That's what Acts is about, right? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. If that was the last days, guess what we're in? The last of the last of the last days, obviously. And then I will pour out. My spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above. How many of you saw the, the sight this past week? The red, full-blood wolf moon passing over America. Now, some people said nothing about that. The reason is, is because there was a lot of people that said stuff about it. You know, the other eclipses that happened, and nothing happened. And they felt let down, or maybe they missed it. But I heard someone describe, you know, a sign is a sign to where you're going. A sign doesn't mean you're already there. It will happen the next morning when you wake up. It could, you know, but if you got a thousand miles to Chicago, it's going to take you a while to get there. You see a sign, 1,000 miles. The sign is still the sign, right? Whether it happens the next day or the next month or the next year, the signs are going to, they're pointing to what's going to come to pass. But anyway, the main scripture in verse 18, and I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy in those days. Now I want to review some things this morning regarding the, the prophetic. It'll be reviewed to some, it'll be new to others. And then I want to talk about dreams and visions. Because we have to be, well, let, let, me, just, let me just do it as, as I have it written down, okay? Because we got to, you got to be wise. The church in America has got to be wise. You can be foolish if you want to be, or you can be wise. You're not going to beware unless you're wise. You're being wise. So anyway, Lord, help me to speak only the things that you're speaking. And Lord, if you keep me out of trouble, that'd be great. But if you get me in trouble, so what? 
You said the trouble's coming anyway, but you said don't even worry about that. You said that I'd give you peace in this world. And so that's what we trust in. And eventually everybody's going to be in trouble. You said there's a time of trouble such as we've not even known. So it's okay to have a little trouble now. Maybe we'll be used to the bigger trouble later. I'm just talking to him. I don't mean to be like this. I'm just talking to him the way I talk to him. You don't have to be religious. When I was in seminary, there was a guy that said, God. Who? Who are you talking to? God. I thought, well, you have to preach like that. Okay, God. In the beginning, God. But anyway, okay, so prophecy. Let's just go through there. Prophecy, there's foretelling, right? You tell the future, you know, that's what most people look at prophecy as. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And then there's foretelling. Now, that's what we believe we're called to more than the foretelling. The foretelling is part of it, but foretelling means we hear a word from God and then we speak, right? We're just speaking part of the heart and the mind of God. Now, included in the prophetic, there are many different things like there's prophetic intercession, right? It's when you begin to pray the things you know to pray, and then the Holy Spirit takes over. And out of you come moanings and groanings. You don't even know. It's just a prophetic, you know, you're the, the heart of the Holy Spirit's praying through you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Then there's prophetic worship. And that's when you sing what you know to sing, the old and the new, but then all of a sudden there's a message from God like came forth today. And we want more and more. More and more. We want to hear what the Spirit is saying at the very moment to the church. And it's the heart of God. It's heaven's worship. Then there's spiritual gifts. You know, we know that we all can prophesy. How many of you can prophesy? We all can. The Scripture says you all can prophesy. You can hear God. If you're a sheep, you hear His voice. So you can speak and share the things, the secrets of God. The secrets that only God knows of. Then there's prophetic art. And that's what Jill and some others do, you know, and we do that from time to time. And um, it's, it's prophetic. It's a message in the art. And then there's prophetic preaching. How many of you know there is such a thing? When I was one of my first messages, just a 20-something-year-old, somebody came to me after the service. And he said, you are a, pre- you, you're a prophetic preacher. And I didn't even know what that meant. And, uh, but I look back at that, and I, I believe that person was speaking into the rest of my ministry in life as to what the mantle, part of the mantle I was to walk in. I didn't know what it meant. It didn't matter. They were prophesying to me, and I want to be that way. You know, that's maybe you want to be. I don't know if I'm always. But we ought to have, there ought to be a prophetic edge about our preaching. It ought to be what God is saying right now. Let him who speaks, speaks as if God is speaking. If God's not speaking, go home and do something else. We don't want to hear the words of men come and go. The word of God endures forever. So anyway, I appreciated that many years ago. I don't know who they were. And then in verse 17, there are visions and dreams. Now recently, there have been some powerful prophetic dreams that have been released to a significant portion of the body of Christ in fact, at the end of every year, the beginning of every new year, you know, people release their prophecies. What's going to happen? What's God saying for the coming year? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. You need a fresh word from God. You, you, if you try to live on yesterday's manna, it's stale. It stinks. Not good. 
It's not going to get you anywhere. You need fresh manna. But today in America, I believe it's gone because you can go to many websites and you can see a whole list of endless prophecies. You can pick out the one you like the best. You can, it's like a smorgasbord. You can leave out all the ones you don't like and you can pick out, well, I like this prophecy. This is one I say God applies to me. You can do that if you want to in America. Now, I, I mentioned this before, but I, I, you know, there are people that impact your life along your journey. And I told you, Paul Cain impacted my life, and he's one of them, and by something that he said and I've shared with you. Now, I think Paul Cain, is he still alive? Does anybody know he's, he's ill, but he's still alive this morning? He's, I think, 90 years old, right? And uh, so he's facing, you know, but I thank God for him. I thank God for Paul Cain. He was an amazing man. I, I remember one of the stories. Can I just share with you one story he shared? He said, you know, in regard to God moving in a church, it's the story he said. He told a story about a, a mother that always would, you know, that she left the light on for her little boy when he would go to sleep. He, and then she'd close the door, and then sometime later she'd come in and turn the light off. But she said, okay, that's enough. Tonight we're going to turn the light off when I close the door. I'm not coming back in later. I'm going to turn it off. The little boy's scared. You sure? Mommy, are you sure? You, do you have to do that? So anyway, yes, it'll be all right. God is here. God is in this room with you. So she turns the light off. And he does what I did when I was a little boy. He gets under the covers. And then he peeks out and he says, God, I know you're in this room because my mommy said you were and she never lies to me. But God, please don't move. Because if you move, you're going to scare me to death. And I'll never forget that story. And that's a lot of people today. God, I know you're here, but don't move too much. Because if you move, you're going to scare us all to death. You know what I mean? A lot of churches like that. The Holy Ghost starts moving. Whoever's behind it starts moving out. Hey, you got to go. I'm glad we're not that way. We've graduated beyond that. We want him to move more. We're trying to pour out the red carpet. We just want him to come and interrupt our little thing. We want him to break out. We just want him to move. But then another thing that Paul often said, he said, God's not saying everything we say we're saying, but he's saying a whole lot more than we really want to hear. And I believe that. I've shared that with you before. Now, I've, you know, I've had prophetic dreams and that I really thought were God, you know, that God, such as this week, you know, the dream about the book of Acts. And uh, there are other many, many dreams over the course of my life. And maybe all these dreams that everybody's having is God. And then again, maybe they're not God. The key is we got to know. we got to discern which are of God, which are of the flesh. You know, the Word of God divides the soul and the spirit. Did you know you can preach out of your soul? You can prophesy out of your soul? You can pray out of your soul, the mind, the will, and emotions. Or you can pray out of the Spirit. You preach out of the Spirit. You can pray. You can worship. You know all these things. Now, we really need to discern the dreams today. Because more than any time in history, we've got to be like, do you remember in Acts chapter 17, the group that were more noble than the others? The Bereans. But we got to be like the Bereans. 
Now, you know, obviously there's some dreams, no, not some, most dreams are going to be kind of hard to confirm the validity of that dream until, you know, you see things come to pass. But we can still search the Scripture. The Bereans, they were the ones that received the Word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things were of God. Right? And the American church has to wake up. How many of you think we need discernment in this hour? We need discernment. If you just watch a little bit of the media, you're going to be lied to. You know, just turn it on for five seconds. You know, it's lie after lie. We have, we need to have, you don't even need discernment anymore. It's obvious. They all say the same thing. It's like a montage. You can turn to one MSNBC and hear the same identical, turn to NBC, the same thing. It's like what happened this week with the, the boy from Kentucky. They all came out with their narrative and then they realized that it was all false. It was fake. But some of the news outlets, they said, we're not going there. We're going to stick to the narrative. So they doubled down on the lie. And we've become accustomed to it. It's the modern day media. One day God's going to have enough of the modern day media. One day CNN will be CNN was. I'm just telling you. Because they're leading a lot of people into gross deception. And they're not even joking. They don't even hide it anymore. But, you know, the church should be a little bit wise too. Because just because a prophecy shows up on the prophecy club or whatever, doesn't mean we should be sharing it, posting it, and sending it to all of our buddies. Until we've discerned it. The American church has failed in discerning what God said to discern. We take everything that comes along. They look like a prophet. They sound like a prophet. They must be a prophet. Now, are you still with me? you got to hang on in this. 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Do not despise prophecies. So we don't despise them. We don't despise them around here. But it doesn't stop there. What else does it say? Test all things. How many? You know what all things mean? All. All words. Spoken. Test them to see if they're of God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says to uh, those who prophesy, then the others are to judge what has been spoken prophetically. The word judge, it means to separate thoroughly. You separate from the soul and the spirit. That's one way, by the word. It means to withdraw from or oppose if necessary. Decide or hesitate. Hesitate before you push the share button. Because you can send it all around the world today in a matter of just seconds. Before you press the share button, you got to hesitate, test it, decide if it's from God. And anyway, the church should be doing this. Now, to remain faithful biblically, we're not to accept every prophecy based on two things. Number one, personality. There are going to be great personalities arise in this hour that speak, thus saith the Lord. But there'll come a time you'll realize it was not, thus saith the Lord. Personality is nothing that's to overwhelm us. You know, I wonder about the Antichrist. Will he really come with a really, you know, hateful, mean, or will he come with some loving message 
like an angel of light. I, I, you know, I guess we'll find out pretty soon. But we don't judge on personality. Secondly, we don't judge on popularity. This is a strictly American thing. You can't judge a prophet because they're popular. In fact, you want to show you what Jesus said about real prophets. Do you want to see or do you want to just carry on with the narrative? Look over in Matthew chapter 23. Is this speaking to anybody this morning? Is this... Because I, you know, God put this on my heart and I said, God, you know, I can get in a lot of trouble. Well, but then he said, what, what do you think I'm doing? What, what do you think happened to me? You know what I mean? I, I like the way God speaks. He just speaks real to me. Okay, Matthew chapter 23, verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now that's the way Jesus talked. Because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we'd lived in the days of our fathers, we would, have, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you're witnesses against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. You fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. You serpents, you brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Jesus would not be accepted in a lot of conferences today in America. They think he's old school. You know, he's old. You must be that legalistic branch. And therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes, some of them you're going to kill and crucify. And some of them, you won't kill them or crucify them, you're just going to scourge them in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. On you that it may come the righteous blood of, you know, he mentions the blood of Zechariah. That's interesting, Zechariah and all and such. Look in verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Okay, so what Jesus just told us, what happens to prophets? They get stoned, they get scourged, they get persecuted, they get talked about. They get rejected. They get crucified. Anybody want to get crucified? They get killed. They get murdered. Would anybody want to be... You know, today, they have these things where everybody's a prophet. I want to prove it. Prove it when you go out in the world. I want to see your scars. I want to hear the reports about you if you're a real prophet. I tell you, real prophets, if you don't murder them literally, you'll, people murder them with their words. And I've, I've met some real prophets and have been some here, and I, I hear the murdering of the words. But anyway, instead of trusting personality and popularity, we need to be like the Bereans. They search the Scriptures how often? Daily. That means you don't just do it once. You do it every day. Now, as we mentioned, it's become rare in the American church to find and one example one example of what the Scripture says on how to discern prophecy or how to discern a dream or how to judge the prophets. Tell me, anybody know one where it's really happened where the prophets judged the word that was spoken? It's rare. Now, you may find one or two. Now, this is not a criticism of those that God has raised up, nor is it denouncing the prophetic words that have been flowing over the Internet, okay? So just get me... Understand, but it's a caution and a challenge to the church in America. Because Jesus said, 
Jesus said, if it were possible, even the elect will be deceived. And they could be deceived by what he said would be the false Christ and the false prophets. Anybody still here? You know, uh, speaking about the blood moon this week, you know, we didn't hear a lot about it. I didn't even, to be honest with you, I don't know, I'm not watching a lot of news anymore. And I try not to read a lot of prophecies anymore. I'm trying to hear from God. And then when I, I do hear, I wanted confirmation. I want I wanted to know the Holy Spirit is saying that. So I didn't, I didn't even know about the blood moon until Joni shared last Sunday. And I said, whoa, really? Cool. We're going to watch that. So we went out and we watched. And, you know, I don't know all that it was saying. But I bet you one, it was called a wolf moon. One thing it could have been saying is, well, here, look, look at Mark. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Verse 22. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And then Matthew seven fifteen it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous, devouring what? Wolves. And so the thought came to me, I don't know if this was God, but it's a wolf moon. In other words, America, get ready, there are wolves in your midst. Now people are saying, well... Is that real today? Was it in First Peter, it says there were false prophets among the people, and so there will be false prophets among you. And so it would be foolish to forget what Jesus said and to disavow the warnings of the Scripture. He said prophets will come, and they will come dressed in sheep's clothing. How many of you would accept a wolf if they came in in wolf's clothing? You know, a false prophet or a false Christ. Most of us wouldn't. You, you, you look like a false... That's, Jesus said they're not going to come in, in wolf's clothing. They're going to come in sheep's clothing. They're going to come smelling like sheep, sounding like sheep. And you're going to have to discern. I remember... Now, here's another prophecy. I'm, just, I'm talking about prophecy and dreams. I'm sharing prophecy and dreams. But I remember 30 years ago, two words that impacted my life. One of them, somebody stuck in my hands a prophecy called The Harvest by Rick Joyner. And so that was my beginning of what would be the journey that God would send me on. You know, I looked at The Harvest and it just spoke to my heart, spoke to my, you know, I said, God, this is the word. I don't know this man, but God, I'd sure like to know him. And I met him on a battlefield in Gettysburg not long after that. I became his assistant. And all you know the story. And anyway, I'm pastoring one of those churches today. But another word that was given, I remember they gave it to me. And I don't remember who spoke it. But the word was that in the last days, men will come to the church in America sounding very good. They will preach sound doctrine for a season. Only after they've won the hearts of the people, deceive them and lead them astray. And I remember that. I remember that word. I don't remember who in the world spoke it. Can I tell you, we possibly could be living in that hour today. You don't judge by popularity. You don't judge by, by personality. There's another way. If we ignore the biblical standard in judging prophecies in this day, we're going to pay a high price. 
Referring to the scriptures, we've been reminded. In, in Psalm 138.2, it says, Your word, or you have magnified your word all above your name. How many of you know that? So he's magnified the word above his name. If the word of God is magnified above his name, how much more shall the word of God be magnified over every other name? Every name of any man or woman. That carry, and though he may carry that word. Psalm 12, it said, it's the words of the Lord, which are like pure silver tried in the furnace of fire, purified seven times, which are preserved from generation to generation. Now, in other words, back to Matthew 7, then I'm just going to skip and maybe we'll pick up some things. Maybe, maybe not. If I get through this, I don't know if I ever want to go back there. You know what I mean? But Matthew 7. Jesus said, beware. The only way you're going to beware is if you be wise. Can I tell you there are a lot of foolish, be, be foolish Christians in America. They bought everything that comes down the pike. Anything that glitters, they declare is gold. Well, they left those scriptures out. But God's raising up a people that's going to be wise. So let's talk about dreams. I'm just, this is the way we'll close. It won't take too long. You guys still with me? Adeline will wait just a little while. Not too long. Grandma's ready to go see Adeline. Is that a hint? She's thinking of that word smithereens. To me, you know, the dreams. Okay, here we go. I'll just go fast. Number one, dreams are one of the ways that God speaks to men and women today. Absolutely. Where's the scripture? Job 33. For God may speak in one way or another, yet man does not perceive it in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while they're slumbering on their bed, God opens their ears. How many of you have had prophetic dreams? Most of us. Most of us. And so God speaks one way or the other, but man does not perceive it. How many of you know most of us are a little bit hard-headed? So a dream is a good way to get our attention because we're not interfering. You, what are you, how are you going to interfere? You're just lying there knocked out. So it's one of the ways that God speaks. Secondly, dreams sometimes reveal the unchangeable, unalterable purposes of God. Sometimes. Say sometimes. Give you an example. The, who was it? The butler and the baker had this dream in prison. And they, they were sad and, you know, Joseph sees they're sad and he asks them and they, uh, you know, they, well, you interpret dream. God interprets dreams. So anyway, they share their dream and it happens. The butler's dream is interpreted and it's good. He's going to be restored back to Pharaoh. The baker said, well, that's a good dream. We, how about interpreting mine? He interprets his. It's a little bit different. You're not going to be restored to Pharaoh. Your head, it will be lifted off of your head. Did it happen? It happened exactly as they, as it is prophetic dream. So there'll be some that'll be exactly the unalterable purposes of God. You're not going to change it. It's going to happen. What if that baker, you know, if he disagreed with it? I disagree. I disagree. I, I renounce that curse in Jesus' name. It wouldn't work. It's going to happen. His head is going to be lifted off. Then third. The interpretation of dreams always belong to God. Joseph said that. He said, do not, I'm not the interpreter of dreams. He was the one God used 
We have today professional interpreters. They write books on interpreting dreams. And I know that, you know, maybe God gave them the book. So I'm not disallowing. I mean, God, nothing's impossible with God. But ultimately, God is the one that interprets the dreams. Now, why does He do that? Because we need one another. We would be, we would run off on our own if we had every, we only see through the glass dimly. We all see in part. That's why we're all in part under the headship. Under His headship. He's the one that sees it all. And then fourthly, dreams reveal our part in God's purposes. An example is Gideon. Remember, God has spoken to Gideon, O mighty man, you know, arise. And he wasn't too sure that he had heard from God. And then the Lord says, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. And it says that when he heard the telling of the dream, then he rose up and Gideon fulfilled the purpose that God had written out for his life. And so there are times that we hear a prophetic dream or God will lead us to hear a dream and it'll be what God's plan for us in the purposes of God. Does that make sense? All of our days are written. They're numbered, but they're also written in a book. And so we're to walk out that. And so times God opens the book and lets us read part of it. How many of you are glad for that? I'm really glad we get to read a part of that book. You're not going to read it all. I mean, maybe there are people that have read it all. They know cover to cover. But most of us, God requires to walk by faith. So he gives us the word to walk by faith. And then fifth, dreams reveal God's redemptive purposes. Say redemption. Back to Job 33. You can read this later. Then he opened the ears of the men or men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. Here's what the Amplified says. Then he opens the ears of men, terrifying them with warnings that he may withdraw man from his purpose, his own purpose, and cut off pride from him, disgusting him with his own disappointing self-sufficiency. He holds him back from the pit of destruction and his life from perishing by the sword of God's destructive judgments. So in other words, God will give you a warning dream or an instructional dream to get you off of the way you're going which leads to death. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof leads to death. But God's way is the way. God's way is the highest way. It's the only highway that's going to get you to where you're supposed to go. It's God's way. Amen. Does that make sense? And all of his dreams in some way, on, until he comes again, are redemptive. God is a redemptive God. And it's his will that none should perish. You know, John 3.16 is going to be our anthem until he comes again. For God so loved the world, even when they're crucifying us or murdering us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so dreams should point us to him. You know, there's been some dreams about the president that see him almost... The dream is almost as the world sees him now. That dream should have been tested. It should have been judged. But we live in an hour today. They don't do that anymore. We've got a better way. It's called our way. But I tell you, God's way is the only way. And His words are the only words that have been refined, refined and purified seven times. doesn't mean that dream is not of God. It doesn't mean that it doesn't give us direction on how to pray. 
But how do we know things don't come out of the soul unless we test them? The American church better wake up quick. We better wake up fast. If Jesus is who he says he is, he said there will be wolves and sheep's clothing that will come to you as ravenous wolves. Now maybe you say, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. That was a different day and a different hour. But I would surmise that Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. And his words are going to last way beyond yours. When you're in the grave, his words are going to remain. There'll still be those trumpeting the word of the Lord. Thus saith God. And then there will be warning dreams designed to save us from immediate danger. Matthew 2.12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another way. I would just say to you, it would be good to heed the dreams of warning that God gives you. If God says, don't go that way, don't go that way. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Because I'm going to ask God to increase the dreams because we're living in the last days. We need prophetic dreams, but then we need to test them and judge them and discern them. By the word of God, the highest standard. And then dream seven, reveal, sometimes reveal the future so we will persevere when the challenge and the difficult times come to pass. Joseph is a good example. He had a dream. He goes through rejection, heartache, abandonment, sold into slavery. They accuse him of sin. He goes through all this stuff, falsely accused thrown into prison. But then in the end, you remember what he said to his brothers? Do you remember? He said, but you, you meant it for evil. No question, he didn't, you know, he didn't beat around the bush. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about that is, is to this day to save many people alive. And dreams give us that, that ultimate goal and purpose that enable us to persevere when the going gets tough. Not only dream, the prophetic word. Some of you are, you, you're living on promises that God gave you. I don't care what disease comes your way. You are convinced you're not going to leave this earth until what God promised you comes to pass. You know what I mean? You're living that way. I'm not leaving this world. God said, I believe what God said. So cancer, get out of the way. You can't compete with my God. You know what I mean? You got to be a little radical in this hour. You've got to believe God. What must you do to do the words of God? You believe in Him that was sent, and you believe His Word. And then eight, dreams are a part of the sign of what God has promised for the last days. And I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They will dream. They will see visions. Just like He promised. Amen. So how do we pray? Everybody's still with me. Does this make sense? First of all, we should repent for the church in America for failing to live up to the standards of God's word in regarding judging prophecy. It doesn't mean you judge the prophet if you judge their prophecy. It just means you put it to the test. You discern you draw back, if need be, before you share it and post it to billions of people. 
You know, does that make sense? So we need to repent. Some of us have shared and posted false words, false dreams, unknowingly. Because you didn't take the time to pray. You didn't take the time to discern according to the measure of God's word. It felt good to you, your soul, and you shared it. And you believed that God would use it. Some of us have been guilty of sharing false words. So does that make sense? You say, I don't know anybody that's talking like that today. We don't care who's not talking. Now, all I know is what God said in his word. In the last day of my life, I'm going to preach what he puts in my heart and what, he, what I read in his word. What if they all disagree with you and they line you up in front of a prophetic board and say, God doesn't move that way anymore? I don't care. I could care less. That's one of the ways you're going to tell the real in this hour. What if, they line, what if New York City brings you up to line you in front of all the city council and they're all their arrogance and their pride and, and they line you up and they say, recant what you said you believe about that being a live baby. Are we going to throw you in the New York penitentiary? You're going to just dance your way into prison. You're going to be so happy. That's the kind of believer God's raising up. It's not these wimps. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he will keep what I've committed unto him against this day. And in that hour, though they bring me before synagogues and rulers, the Holy Spirit's going to give me what to say because it's not me anyway. It's the Spirit of my Father speaking through me. You're going to be that bold in this hour. It's, it's a great time to be alive, folks, I'm trying to tell you. You know, try to look through this. All you see is the outward. I'm just telling you, there's fire in these bones. There's fire in your bones. You ain't quitting. You're not quitting. You Not in this hour. You are going to endure to the very end. You're going to endure to the very end. That's how you're going to know them too. Jesus said that. Anybody can quit. And there's people quitting. Do you know the great falling away is not coming? It's already come. It's on the way too. Probably more. But I don't know if it could be more or not. It's already happening. So, Lord, we just want to repent this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you feel like you've shared a prophetic word or dream or you don't, and you didn't take the time to discern it or judge it or measure it by the, the standard of the Scripture and, you know, what other men and women are hearing from God or, you know, there are many different measures. The ultimate's the Scripture. But if you've done that, just, just ask the Lord. Lord, we ask you to forgive us. I ask you to forgive me, God. Forgive me for sharing things. Pushing the button before I went to the God who interprets all things. God, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to forgive the church in America for, for our disobedience to the standard of God's word. And I ask you, God, to give us that heart as the Bereans that with all readiness of mind and noble, that we would receive the word and then discern it and see daily if these things are of God. And Lord, I pray right now if there are any prophetic words operating over our nation, over our president, over the church, over Moravian Falls, over any family, 
Lord, I'm, I'm here so I can pray. If there are any prophecies, negative words, God, that were spoken out of the soul over any individual in this place or watching right now, I break them. I cancel them. I ask you, God, Lord, let them fall to the ground. Any spoken word over our president that maybe was out of a soulish realm or understanding, we break it off of him in Jesus' name. Lord, you put me in the head of this presidential prayer watch. So I ain't going to let any false word have dominion. We pray the word of God, what you've spoken only, will come to pass in his life and in his presidency. Lord, it's a serious thing we're living Millions of lives are at stake if we agree with the devil or we agree with a soulish nature. And so, God, I just cancel them and I just, over every person, right, every family, over my worship leader, I break off any negative word spoken over Haley, over Dylan. We break it off of them now in the name of Jesus. That's not in agreement. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and we break off. Now, all these words spoken over America that were not redemptive and not the word of the Lord, we break them. We pull them down in the name of Jesus. We do battle. We say, God, let your word arise. You confirm what you've spoken over the United States. You know our beginning. You know our ending. And we pray, God, we would arrive at our desired end. Just like Job. You know the end, and it happened exactly like you said. We pray it would happen. For our nation. And we thank you, God. It's just really simple, Lord. We can just pray. God, we ask you, awaken the church in America. God, we have a feeling there's a lot of religious games going on. And God, there's a lot of profiting from prophets. God, we ask you, tear down that wall, God. Tear down, God. God, let your son arrive. Let holiness, the king of glory, come back in the land. God, I thank you. I trust you. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. I don't know, maybe they didn't, this message didn't make a lick of sense to them. All I know is I ask you to fill everyone in this room with divine faith and favor and fire. Faith, favor, and fire. And God, that they would live with a passion for the son of God. Immovable, unshakable, determined to do their father's bidding. Now, God, I thank you we're living in a day. You're going to call people to do some absolutely unbelievable, never heard of, ever written in book exploits in this hour. And I know there's some of them. Many of them are sitting right here. They're watching by Webstream. And I just pray, God, for the fire of heaven to fill them. Lord, that we need the Holy Spirit. We need, we cannot do this. We cannot. But I ask for a fresh outpouring and infilling of the Holy Spirit. Just receive. Put your hand out. Just stand. Just receive. Put your word. Lord, we thank you. Put your hand out. Say, I receive. Fresh infilling. Fresh infilling. Fresh anointing. There's some that have grown weary. They've been beat almost to smithereens. But not... Yet. It had, the, the Lord would say to you, you're not broken to pieces yet. And every weapon fashioned against you has not and will not ultimately prosper against you. 
Because if God be for you, who can be against you? And God says, what I said about you is going to endure. What others have said about you is going to fall to the ground. It has no place. You're my son. You're my daughter. And God, I pray for the release now of every yoke, curse, witchcraft. You know, sometimes people pray out of the soul. So, Lord, we break off off witchcraft prayers. Break it off of every person in this place. Our children, our grandchildren. God, we know people mean well. Maybe that's why you said let your words be few. Sometimes we need our words to be few. God, we pray. Give us a holy fear of God again in the land. So that we can stand before the tyrants of our hour. With a humble heart and compassion in our eyes. And speak, thus saith the Lord. God, we ask you to help us. Give the church what we need in this hour. God, the hour is passing by quickly. And we thank you. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that's not saved, I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for the drawing power. Because no one can come to you unless you draw them. And I pray right now that you'll move on the hearts of people watching and in this room. And I would just say to you that God loves you, that He sent His Son and He died for you. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, if you confess your sin, you confess Him as Lord of your life, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the grave, if you receive Him, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call upon His name right now, you shall be saved. On the authority of the word of God. So you call on him. And you say Lord I give my life to you. Forgive me of all of my sin. And I put my trust in the shed blood of Calvary. And I thank you Lord that if I call on you I'll be saved. And this moment on I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. Now just hold on. Let's just wait. We don't want to be in a hurry. I heard someone say this week that's been here a few times, the American church is too much in a hurry. Too much, they're too much in a hurry. They run here, they run there. They do this, they do that. God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Come, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Fall fresh, God. Lord, would you shake this place? Would you shake this place suddenly, unexpectedly, unaware? We're all in one accord because we're together in one place and one time. And God, we forgive those who told us that word meant we have to be in some perfect unity. We don't know any unity other than the unity of the Spirit. Lord, thank you, you made us different. We see things differently under one head, Jesus. Thank you, God. And I rebuke the thing that says the church in America is so divided. Lord, I know the house is divided. I know all those scriptures. But I thank you there's a remnant in America that's together and they're in the same place, same time. They're all seeking you. They're hungry. They're ready. They're ready. We're ready 
for you. We're ready for you. So Holy Spirit, come. You know, there's a great move of God about to begin in California. I saw our friend Mario Morello is going to go around do stuff. So, oh Lord, we just bless. This is a great exploit. We bless Mario in the midst of gross darkness. And you know, God, how that state has stuck their finger in the face of Almighty God. They've called you every name in the book, but God, would you let your name, the name of Jesus, be risen up in that land? Would you bring great salvation to the state of California, God? Would you spoil the plans of the enemy? Would you cause just the opposite of what the devil has planned to occur in that land? That you would raise up a name for yourself. And your fame would be heard. In that state, we pray, oh God. There's, there's more. There's a download. of God's downloading stuff in His people right now. I'm telling you, there are great exploits waiting to break out from you. Those that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So, Lord, I don't know how to make them come out. But I'm just praying in faith, in agreement, that every one of these people, they are made for this hour. I heard earlier when we were worshiping, I heard the word, get ready for prime time. And he was saying it's not so much the ministry, but the individual people are ready for the prime time. So I'm declaring, I'm prophesying over you, get ready for prime time. You say you need scripture preference, Daniel 11.32, get ready for prime time. Get ready for the great exploits. Now, Lord, I thank you. Thank you.